Botch Spots and Share Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch Spots and Share Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Botch Spots and Share Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover. Takeover all day. Botch Spots and Share Shots. Check. Savage! Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking out this on YouTube, or listening to this podcast, you are most definitely my people. We're excited for another episode of Botch Pots and Chair Shots. Joining us tonight is the Bare Knuckle Berserker, coming from Cincinnati, Ohio. He is Lord Crew. Lord, thanks for coming on to chat about some wrestling tonight. How are you, sir? What's up, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Man, living my best life. Just kicking it in the, the weather we were saying before it got on. It's either hot and sunny or cold and rainy and there doesn't seem to see any in between there is literal no middle ground anymore um all right man let's uh hop right into it uh you recently had an episode of AEW dark and uh, AEW dark elevation both air uh let's dive right into it man what was it like working for AEW? super cool man um it you know it's what i've worked the last seven or eight years for was to get to that type of a situation so to to get there and actually, you know, get in the ring with some of some guys who were really good. Like my first one there was with Andrade. This last one was with Sean Spears. So, you know, getting to work with that caliber of talent in such a, you know, high level setting is really cool. And um, I, I think I've had a decent showing both times. Um, so hopefully they see something and keep bringing me back. Um, when you have a chance to go out there and work, a lot of time what you're doing is helping work. When you say work with a Sean Spears, you're going to go in there and work a match with him um, and to help him get over. But at the same time, how do you plan to mentally go into a match like that and keep your moveset in place and still have a chance to display what you can do in a ring? Um, anyways, if you, you kind of see where I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, the, the headspace that I try to stay in is um, – and I, this is advice that I was given by somebody else that, you know, when no matter what the situation, it doesn't matter what's going on outside of the ring when you're in that ring, you know, that's my world. So I'm in, I'm in a ring almost every weekend. Uh, so I just do what I know how to do and keep it all, you know, try to keep control of every situation and not let what's going on outside of it uh, trip me out. Um, you know, as far as the move set and stuff goes, I just, uh, I just stay true to myself because, you know, that's the only that's the only way I know how to be is me. So um, I try to, again, not let the setting trip me out and trip up my game. I just try to, you know, stay stay true to my moves, stay true to my character, stay true to myself. Um, what's the ring psychology like when you approach somebody like Sean Spears and then you look at somebody like Andrade? They're two very contrasting styles in the ring and even compared to you. So it's two very contrasting styles than your style. How do you go about blending it from person to person? Um, you know, you just you got to always try to have both people play to their strengths. You know, you. You know, in a situation like AEW Dark, like you were kind of previously mentioned, I'm there to, you know, in this type of a situation, I'm there to further, you know, build them and make them look like the stars that they are. So, you know, really it's going to, what I do is just going to be dictated by what they want to do. And, um, you know, I will say, uh, in this last situation, I felt like I was in the Sean Spears match. I was very much able to 
highlight a little bit more of what I'm capable of and um, really got to show kind of who I am and what I can do. Um, but again, it's going to be really, it's going to be them kind of dictating what's going on in those situations. I'm just, I'm just there for the opportunity and the look, you know? Um, so let's talk about something a little bit more off the beaten path. Then, uh, you have a, you have a history with ICW, no peace underground. Uh, these, some, uh, some more of the, uh, deathmatch style wrestling, um, hardcore style wrestling. Uh, let's talk about the, the mindset you use when you prepare for a match like that versus something very different from an AEW dark match. Sure. So, um, when, I never really dabbled into the deathmatch world much until December of 2020 was when I had my first one. Um, you know, we were coming out of COVID. Uh, we hadn't done anything. Well, myself, I hadn't done really much of anything since the, the beginning of the pandemic. So No Peace approached me because I was supposed to do a show for them, WrestleMania weekend of 2020. And due to the pandemic, it got canceled. So no Peace had reached out to me and said, hey, we still want to get you down here to, you know, make up for the WrestleMania match. Um, so they brought me down in December of 2020. I wrestled AJ Gray, and that was my first actual taste of a death match. It was one of those things where I wasn't sure how I would do in that type of a scenario because, I mean, I've done, you know, hardcore matches, chairs, tables, stuff like that, but I never done glass or tubes or anything. Um it was definitely like I got thrown right into the fire. Uh, you know, AJ and I beat the hell out of each other, uh, bled a lot. Um, but yeah, it's certainly a different mindset because, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong in a death match. There is, you know, it, it's, it's literally one, sometimes you can be one millimeter away from something going catastrophically wrong and, causing bad injury and so there's always that kind of in the back of your mind when you're doing those is that like you know this is this is real deal stuff like and you know things could go very wrong and it not even necessarily be anybody's fault it could just be a freak accident with the the weaponry you're you have at your fingertips um but i don't know i I pretty much prepare for every match the same mentally. I just try to get, you know, get in that right head space and stretch out a little bit, maybe throw some tunes on before I go out. And then, you know, once I'm out there, it's on. Um, so the No Peace Underground, they're historically known for being a little bit non-traditional. A lot of their stuff even goes as far as to not having a traditional ring, even without ropes or turn turnbuckles and stuff. Um, how do you adapt yeah your wrestling training into something that's more free for all like that though. Like you see what I mean? Going the opposite direction now where it's, it could be just a wall. You could end up anywhere doing anything. So in that type of a setting, you almost have to throw traditional wrestling values out the window. And then for me, I almost feel like I'm reverting back to my, you know, my younger years in the hardcore scene, you know, growing up and going to music shows and just getting in fights and bars because that's essentially what you're doing to no piece is you're just in a bar fight and you just have pretty much what's ever around at your disposal. So really wrestling training, I mean, sure the it's there for the fundamentals and stuff, but 
normal wrestling psychology kind of goes out the window in a setting like that. It's just essentially a bar fight, which got plenty of experience in that realm as well. I've, uh, you know, like I said, I was a little hooligan growing up with my friends in the hardcore scene. And then I also worked security at a music venue for years. So, you know, I've, I've seen both sides of the coin, I guess. Uh, where did wrestling start for you training wise? Uh, wrestling training started for me here in Cincinnati, Ohio at a school called Bone Crushers. I trained under Roger Ruffin and Abyss. Um, some other notable talents to come from that school are like Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Wildcat Chris Harris, um, Jordan Clearwater, who's currently doing some stuff with NWA and New Japan. Um, yeah, so that's where I started. Um, I still pop in every now and then when I got a free weekend, but you know, my schedule's gotten so crazy. Most of my stuff's out and about now. Um, I know Cincinnati's a lot like Nashville, which is where I'm from. There's a rich, like independent scene specific around here. It seems like every weekend you can go somewhere and find an independent show. What's your favorite part about running those type of house shows for the small pop-up house shows that just, you may only be wrestling for 50 or a hundred people, but the energy is just wild when you get into some of these small towns. What's your favorite part about those kind of shows? Um, I think my favorite part about those is in those types of settings, the fans are there who are there are all in. They're, you know, they're very much, um, they're there to take the ride. They're there to be entertained. And a lot of those fans who come to the smaller things really show the appreciation to us for what we do and, you know, putting our bodies on the line for their entertainment. You know, they they come up to the table and, you know, tell you, you know, you, ah, I've been seeing your stuff on the internet, man. It's cool to watch all your progress. And, you know, they, you know, and a lot of those folks here in Cincinnati have been watching me since I very first started. So for them to be kind of along the ride with me is pretty special. And um, with the rise of things like indie wrestling TV and the exposure that indie wrestling is starting to get now, uh, what do you think about having a streaming service dedicated to you guys now and having an opportunity for y'all to get it out there so you could be wrestling one night in one place and it be streamed and then two nights later be at another promotion? What kind of asset do you think something like indie wrestling TV is for the industry? I think it's a huge asset because it broadens your audience to literally anyone in the entire world who has a subscription. Um, it no longer has a boundary with borders, you know, cause there, I've had people from England, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all these fans that I've acquired through IWTV. And if that platform didn't exist, they would probably have no clue who I was. So I think that's fantastic. It, it allows us to build our brands and to reach a whole new audience of people who can't just simply make the trek to the local independent show or, you know, make a little two hour drive to check something out, you know? So again, that gives us an opportunity to show more people what we're about. And also I think it just gives people in general, a better idea of what independent wrestling has to offer because sometimes um, if, if someone isn't a, a wrestling fan per se they might have a little bit of a skewed view on what independent wrestling really is like i know for my normal job i work with elderly folks and they either view wrestling as wwe or just backyard there's like no in between you know what i mean like so um 
a lot of them have you know asked me about what i do and i can direct them to youtube and stuff like that and then when they come back they're like oh i didn't know that there was that type of thing that even happened you know so it's it's really cool and um and again now this gives us another avenue to reach out to bigger companies and other promotions as well because it's not like we're in the old school days of having to literally burn a DVD of, of your work and sit, mail it to promoters. Like now there's this, this online catalog that they can reference. And there's been several times where I've had promoters reach out to me and say, Hey, I saw this match on IWTV. Like, you know, I want you to come work for me. And you know, that's, that's great because it's, it saves us a lot of energy on having to, you know, send burn DVDs around. So uh, it's funny that you bring that up because when I was younger, I was a, a tape trader. So I was one of the guys that would sit in front of my VCR recording onto VCR tapes and then making copies of it so I could trade it with friends who saw other shows or had a chance to do this. Um, That's awesome. For me, when I think independent wrestling, I go back to the territory days in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Um, back when they were all over the place. A lot of people during those times, there were regional titles all over the, the country based on every territory. So holding those regional gold and the territory titles used to be prestigious. For somebody who's held regional titles and territory titles, what does it mean for you in 2022? Um, that to me is always a, I, I carry a title as a badge of honor because that tells me that the promotion that I'm working for has put enough trust in me as a performer to carry that and to you know, represent their company. And um, I think that it's something that should be held with a high regard because again, that's somebody putting the the name of their, their, or their reputation basically in your hands. So if you're not holding up your end of the deal as the champion and performing to the best of your abilities, then it kind of makes a promotion look bad. So anytime I've ever been, um, given the privilege of holding a championship at a, at a promotion, I try to hold it with the highest regard and, um, you know, wear it proudly and, you know, defend it with everything I've got. So a lot of people want to know things like what's your favorite city to wrestle in? Not me. What's the absolute worst city you've ever had to wrestle in? Oh God. Uh, that's tough. Um, it could, be a, like it could be a venue. Like it could be any, no, any reason like whatsoever. There's no right answer to this. Um, <laughs> honestly man probably new york city and the reason i say that is not because of the fans or not because of the promotion or the match or anything like that i just hate new york city the <laughs> it's just it's a pain in the ass to get around it's crowded and my biggest fear on planet earth is rats like i see if i see a rat i just get this over like crippling anxiety and like start freaking out and they're everywhere like the rumor has it that there's more body mass of rats in Manhattan than there are human beings. So it's like they're everywhere. There's no escaping them. Your so worst nightmare. I just have this this constant anxiety, and I just I would, yeah, I'd rather not. So okay, that'll well, be my answer. I will give you an easy one though. What is the coolest place you've ever got to wrestle? Um, the coolest place, uh, venue or just city in general. Go for one of each. The coolest venue you feel like you've had a chance to work um, and the coolest city. The venue might be WrestleMania weekend of last year at the Cuban Club in uh, Ybor City. 
down in like the Tampa area because it's like legit haunted. <laughs> so like there was all kind of like you know spooky history in that building, and then also like people who were there said that some weird stuff happened. Nothing happened to me, but uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, then there was also this for or Blackcraft Wrestling's very first show. There was a super sweet venue we wrestled at in Pittsburgh. I can't even tell you the name of it, but that was um, one of my favorite venues, the way it was set up and the way it looked on camera. Um, and then City, I've been doing some tapings in Los Angeles. Um, so I really enjoy LA um, to visit. I don't think I could live there, but I definitely enjoy getting to go out for a couple of days here and there. Um, Orlando's always a good time. Uh, I was quite fond of Dallas. Um, this last year, WrestleMania weekend was the first and only time I'd ever been to the state of Texas. So I, I dug it down there. Nice. Uh, you, you've done some work too with Primetime Wrestling. They're right up the road from me in Lexington. Uh, what do you think yeah. about working down towards the South Territories? Um, I, I really enjoy Southern crowds um, because it's a different kind of crowd, you know? Oh, I'm an idiot. I want to backtrack on one thing real quick. One other one of my favorite venues was the center stage in Atlanta, Georgia, because that was where WCW used to film, you know, the Saturday night program and stuff. So the history of that building and being in there was really cool, but that goes back to the Southern wrestling crowds. Um, they just are so fun. They, they get so into it. They get so fired up. Um, so primetime wrestling was a blast when, when that was still a thing. Um, they're, they're running a new joint now called Gen Next. I've done a couple shows for them, and it's a lot of the same crowd. Um, new South Wrestling is in Lexington, Kentucky now. I've been doing stuff there. And like I said, the crowds are always very fun. They, they're they there to, you know, be entertained and to also kind of entertain us in a way. So, uh, I, do a, I have a partnership with a promotion just south of the city here, and uh, their crowd is, I like, when I talk to you about it, it doesn't matter if there's 25 people in the crowd or 100 people in the crowd with us. They are ruckus. And it's almost like those same 25 or 50 people could be put up against 200 just because those local small town like uh, outlaw shows, they just get so into it. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And they're so passionate. And they're, it reminds me of the old days when the guys were ready to come over the railing to get you. You know what I mean? Or when you had the, like the Smoky Mountain Grandma. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah. I used to always sit like front row at Smoky Mountain Wrestling and she'd be right up in the wrestlers' faces and stuff. See, that's, I'm here for it. I love wrestling grandmas. It's that's, great. That's one of my favorite things about independent wrestling is it still has that feel about it. And I feel like, uh, not to backtrack, but something like IWTV allows for everybody to see in a big picture of what independent wrestling truly means in 2022. Because like you said, there's a skewed view of it that you're either in the big times with WWE or you're backyard wrestling on a trampoline somewhere. It seems like a lot of times to the casual wrestling fan, there's no in-between there when there truly is. Yeah, and that's like why I try to encourage people to... Because, you know, there's a lot of people who I've known throughout the years who, whether or not I've fallen in or out of touch with them over time, um, you know, when they see me post like, oh, I'm appearing on AEW Dark, you know, they recognize that as this massive thing. And they're like, oh, he's accomplishing something cool here. But then, like, you know, they reach out to me. And this is a, one of the things that 
chaps my ass about being a pro wrestler is you get people who you haven't talked to in five, 10 years who see that you're wrestling and doing some shots for these bigger companies. And they go, Hey bro, when you make it big, uh, be sure to get me some tickets. It's like, dude, I haven't talked to you in like five years. And like, you know, you, you, I, and so I always, I always rebuttal with, you know, like that, that sounds great, but why don't you come buy a ticket at a local show and support me on the come up instead of waiting until I get to the top to, you know, all of a sudden care. You know, like your support helps so much more than you may ever give yourself credit for. And if more people would be willing to support you on the way up instead of just, you know, wanting to pop out of the woodwork once you start doing some cool shit, you know, it's I think it'd be good for everybody. No, I, I completely agree. You see that um, as much as you hate it, you see that a lot with people is when, as soon as they start to see some success, they come crawling out of the woodwork for you. Um, uh, so I end every interview I do with five rapid fire questions. I've got your five queued up and ready to go. If you're ready, let's get it. All right. Your favorite musical artist or performing group, Judas priest. That's a killer answer. That's the first time somebody said priest for me. I've gotten a lot of dogs. My dog's name is Halford. That's yeah. That's awesome. I'm an old school metalhead too. Uh, I grew up on Metallica and the grunge scene with Stone Temple Pilots and stuff like that. So that early 90s metal scene was my my jam. Uh, What's your favorite uh, finisher of all time? Uh, My favorite finisher of all time is the Orange Crush and that's why I use it as mine. Okay. Uh, What is your favorite entrance theme of all time? Um, The Brood. That's a great one. What do you think about this new Edge thing that they've got going on with Judgment Day? Have you been watching any of the current WWE um, stuff? Is that what everybody's kind of calling the uh, the House of Black ripoff or whatever? Yeah, I the... think I've seen like I think I saw like one or two little things about it. Um, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really been watching a ton of WWE. I caught most of WrestleMania this year, but yeah, I haven't watched anything really since then. I'm Did... just so. I get so busy with wrestling. It's just, you know what I mean? I, there is a I'm ton too busy of... worrying about my own stuff and staying in the gym and all that to really sit down and watch a ton of wrestling. I don't want to go off the, the rapid fire, but do you sure. watch currently any modern wrestling right now or anything that's on um, air? I try to stay up on AEW, um, and then I, I definitely try to check out all the, the big New Japan events. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I've just recently started to cut my teeth on New Japan. Uh, coming up for me in the American South, it was all NWA, Crockett Promotions, WCW. So uh, it's kind of cool to, to get exposed to some of that. Um, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is chicken wings. That's a good answer, too. You can never go wrong with uh, pizza or cheeseburgers for me every time, all the time, pizza and cheeseburgers. Um, if you had to pick one city on the planet you've never had a chance to wrestle in, where would you wrestle? Tokyo, Japan. Also a killer pick. Uh, Lord Crew, I appreciate you coming on to chat about some wrestling. Plug your stuff for us. Tell all the listeners where they can find you and what you got going on. All right. Um, you can catch me at Facebook. Just search Lord Crew. Um, Instagram and Twitter at Lord Crew Kills. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Lord Crew. Um, yeah, I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel here soon where the the premise is going to be me doing food reviews and the places that i travel and when i try out new things um so keep an eye open for that and 
I just want to say thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it was a good time talking a little wrestling. Well, welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots. Tonight, we are exact, uh, excited to bring on a really special guest. He is the perfect athlete. He is the master of the suplex. He is legit perfect Perkins. Mr. Perkins, how are you tonight? I'm doing good, you know, living life can't complain. Yes, eh. Excellent. Uh, let's just dive right into it. Um, we were talking before you got on the air. Uh, you just got done doing some work with Pro Wrestling Magic. Can you talk about the the promotion, how your work was with them? Um, yeah, Pro Wrestling Magic is great. Every time I'm there, they treat me well. Had a little uh, scrambles match for the Dark Arts champion. Sadly, I didn't win. But about um, not this week, but next week, I'll be on their next show. So I'll be going back there again. Excellent. Uh, where did your training begin as a, a wrestler? Uh, well, all right. It's a, I like to say it started in Brooklyn and uh, T2T, Technique to Training. Shout out to him. But I, I, before that, I've done like probably majority of kids. I've done like backyard wrestling stuff. I've done, uh, I used to, when, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, like, BWF, and you used to have, like, an open ring up in the Bronx, so I would go there from time to time. Uh, Santana, from, like, AEW, he had a, a school for a while, so I was, like, in there. But the school I'm in now, that is where I like been consistently Excellent. the other the other schools is like um i was just like going every now and then but this is the first school i've been like consistent with excellent uh if you had a home promotion what would you consider your home promotion a home promotion so is actually we'll say um uh, our school has a promotion, IWW, Industrial Wrestling World. I'm probably saying it wrong. Industrial World Wrestling. Yes. Sorry, my apology. So um, that, or I could probably say, along with that, I could say that and, um, hmm, uh, Pro Wrestling Magic is coming sort of home because I've been there a few times. Nice. How do you adjust going from promotion to promotion like that? Uh, do you change a lot from your gimmick, or are you pretty much the same guy going place to place? Have you started switching from face to hill? Um, what's it like going from promotion to promotion? Uh, I'm I'm pretty much I'm pretty much the same. I'm pretty much the same person, you know. What I turn it up a little bit, but when I'm in like pro wrestling magic. Um, majority of my the places I've been, it's usually like people see me and then they cheer. I'll say like uh, Let's Wrestle, which is like linked to um, Limitless Wrestling, if you're um, familiar with that. Yeah. That's probably like the first area where I started to do some type of heel work. Other than that, I've been like just mostly faced. As you uh, 
as you shifted to being a heel, has there been anything particular you've liked uh, different about being able to work in the ring as a heel? Things you were looking forward to that you couldn't necessarily do as a babyface? Uh, just being more arrogant and cocky, you know, because when I first initially thought of the legit perfect Perkins persona, it's kind of like a cocky and arrogant guy. So as a when I was as a face, I couldn't really find a way to like show that. So when as I got healed, I started to show it more. Um, what's uh, your favorite finisher? What's the current finisher you're using right now? Uh, I really, when I first started, it was I was using like the perfect flex because I I'm a huge Kurt Hanning fan. But as I uh, got going longer in my uh, career, so to say, I really don't have a finish because I'm perfect and I can just beat you with every move I want to beat you with, you know? Uh, let me ask you a question unrelated to your career. You brought up Kurt Henning. A lot of people say he's the greatest IC champion of all time and the greatest person to wrestle to never win a world title. Is that how you feel about him? Of course, yeah. I don't think when I think of any kind of hold up. Look at that right there. <laughs> That's awesome. I have that though because of guys like Brad Henning. You know, that's when I see that belt, I always think of him in uh, the matches with him and um, Brat that had SummerSlam 91, King of the Ring 93, which is my personal favorite. Um, when you look at that version of the IC title, that's my personal favorite belt of all time is that version of it. When you think about that title, you think Ricky the Dragon, you think Macho Man, you think Henning, you think Brett. Like, you think of all these great workhorse champions. When you think about these guys, do you ever try to emulate what you see them do in the ring when you're when you're transitioning into being Perfect Perkins? Yeah, I use a lot a lot more of like Henning and some of like Henning and Brett stuff. But I, I'm at it's like a I'm at an interesting era where like on the Indies I'm like one of the big guys, so like I can't really use it all the time but when i get a chance to use it i use it you know uh so as you adjust uh, to working on the indies because looking at the indies right now it's most known for the the quick high flyers the high spots the stuff like that how are you adjusting to the the storytelling process working with these these high flyers and these guys that want to go a thousand miles an hour how are you getting them to slow down uh with my wrestling my legit wrestling background, I do, I wrestled for about two years in high school. I still wrestle every now and then, and then I do a little jiu-jitsu. So I base a lot of, like, wrestling holds, slams. That's how I stop the uh, flippy-flippy guys. <laughs> nice. Do you think your amateur background uh, lends yourself to be able to, to call it in the ring like a lot of the old school guys want to say because your ability to, to shoot wrestle and to, to be able to go like do you think that lends you the ability to kind of uh, go in there and just let the, the crowd help you guys call the match as you flow absolutely like I, I really like if I'm I really don't like calling too much because it's like 
I don't want to be remembering all that stuff. And it's like, I like to, even though I'm, I'm very early in my career, I'm, I'm not yet mastered it. I like to go out there and see, see what, how the crowd, like hear the crowd and see what they're reacting to. So I don't like to call too, too much, but if it's needed, I'll call, you know, but I'll call, like, let's say I'll call this person shine, come back in the finish. And then I'll tell them, listen, listen, brother, <laughs> I'm calling the heat in the ring. All right. Just keep your ears open. All right. That's how, that's how I like to, like, if I'm formatting my match, that's how I like to break it down to my opponents. When you're in there, do you feel like the the crowd tells just as important story of what you guys are doing in the ring as a part of it? Does that make sense? Is the crowd just an equal part of the story as you and your opponent in the ring, using them to be able to to bring heat, to to get the pop, to bring comebacks? Do you think the crowd tells an equal part of your story? Yes, yes, they do. It you it can tell you as a heel, like it can tell you. When you go, if you're going too fast, slow it down, you know, stuff like that. And with the reaction, like let's say you hit a big move, what we called, like we mapped this out backstage, and we were like, huh, we didn't really get a reaction from that. But we got a reaction from me just having him in the corner, having his face up, running my mouth, and people like that more than, you know, what I called, as my trainers would say, like moments over moves. Uh, do you have um, a dream opponent that you'd like to work with at some point in your career? It, it has to be on like the Indies? No, it could be anybody. I'm not being particular. Uh, let's see. I probably got like a few. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, I can't wrestle anything, but um, uh, let's see. Some, I'm going to give you some bad. See, here's the thing. I'm pretty – I didn't really start watching the indies until I started, like, wrestling. So, like, a lot of people I, like, don't know. Forget what I'm saying. Absolutely, yeah. So, I'll – I'll say somebody in the Indies I would like to wrestle. Probably, probably somebody like uh, Jonathan Gresham. Now, yeah, because yeah. I've I've been to his I did a sem his seminar in like Atlanta. So that'd probably be cool for me to show a little bit more of my technical side. And uh, somebody like more mainstream, probably some uh, Brock. I'm mean, he's Brock Lesnar fan as well. So somebody like Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, John Cena, because in a way that's like my Hogan. Those, yeah, stuff like that. People like that. Nice. Okay. Uh, look, I close all of my interviews with five random rapid fire questions. They may be related to wrestling. They may not be. I've got your five queued up and ready to go. You ready? Let's do it. All right. What was your favorite food growing up as a kid? 
pizza. Nice. Pizza is one of my favorite foods. Pepperoni pizza, straight up, regular, no need to frills or anything. Favorite food on the planet. Who's your favorite musical artist or performing group? Musical. Uh, do you want to do it by genres or? If you had to pick one artist you were going to listen to the rest of your life, who would it be? The rest of my life? Oh, man. Let's see. Oh, man, that's hard. I'll say Gregory Isaacs. Really? That's I haven't yeah. had that one yet. Okay. Um, do you have a dream venue of somewhere you want to work? Uh, Madison Square Garden. Just being a New York, being a New Yorker. Absolutely. Are you a Knicks fan? No, I really don't watch much basketball. No, uh, Yankees or I Mets. really don't. No, I really don't watch any sports. Much sports, unless unless it's like college wrestling, um, MMA. Like stuff like that, I watch. Like I don't really watch any football, soccer, stuff like that. Just pro wrestling and any type of combat sports. Anytime I, I mostly watch. Anytime I talk to somebody from a big metropolis city like New York or Chicago, I always find out where their allegiances lie with their pro sports, especially like New York, because I know the the deep seated rivalry between the Yankees and the Mets. Like they take that stuff seriously. The people from Chicago, like you, either like the Cubs or you like the White Sox. You can't do both. <laughs> so I, I was curious. I always ask. Um, do you have a favorite movie? Favorite movie. Howard and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. That's a fantastic I, pick. <laughs> I literally know that movie. Everybody's lines in that movie. Like I could pop the DVD and now, oh, I love that movie. All right, my last question for you: Do you have a favorite city that isn't New York? I had to throw that in there because people I always say Nashville because that's my favorite city. But I'm also from Nashville, so favorite city not named New York. I'll, I'll say Nashville because I'm I really do enjoy my country music, you know. Nice, excellent. Well, uh, plug, like my, excellent. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, plug your stuff. Tell everybody where to find you. All right, on Twitter, I am perfect underscore Perkins. Instagram, L Perfect Perkins, and that's pretty much it. Oh, I have like a you little little experiment I'm doing on YouTube. It's called Legit Perfect Perkins Short. So if you find that you could like you follow that, subscribe. Excellent. All right. Pretty much pretty much it. Well, I appreciate you stopping well, by and chatting some about some wrestling with you. News, anything else. Yeah, yeah. Talk about any you know, we could chop it up next time, talk about some Henning, talk about some Old school AWA, stuff like that. Absolutely. Some Billy Robinson, maybe some Carl Gotch, you know? For sure. We do uh, weekly inter or weekly episodes where we like deep dive into stuff. We'll discuss like titles, histories, and stuff where we've done one whole episode that was dedicated to the IC title. We did a whole episode that was dedicated to the 10 pounds of gold. And then we've done some where it's like, uh, we did the big gold belt, but only when it was the WWF heavyweight title from 02 to 2014. So we do like very spec like very specific discussions in wrestling history. We'll pick like mm -hmm. a 10 year block and talk about the superstars and the titles and the matches in a block of history versus the, you know, just the, the everyday run of the mill. What's happening in wrestling now? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So that's that's kind of our thing. I don't really, I don't really watch much now wrestling. Do you feel like but. something's missing from the modern day product from somebody who's a, a, a from a early conversation from what we've been twenty minutes? Do you feel like uh, there's something missing compared to some of the old days, especially since you brought up the AWA? That's a a huge promotion that that ran the the territories forever, and uh, they're just. What do you think about comparing where we're at in today's wrestling to comparing where the AWA was? Well, it's a lot more probably like loose, loose back then, and everything's a little bit more like PC now, as people would say. So you can't really say or do the thing they used to do back then. So probably because it's a lot, it's a lot less excitement, and it's more. Everything's online, so everybody's spoiling outcomes before you can see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really, I don't really even go online because I don't. If I'm gonna watch something, I don't really go online. Like, I'm, I'm just good at staying away from stuff like that. But just other people can't, you know, and that like ruins stuff for like people. Excellent. Well, uh, I appreciate you. And like I said, uh, we'll get be in contact. We'll get you back on and we'll uh, chop it up with some of this old school stuff. Yeah.